guy. So there you go. It's somewhere towards the back of the Old Testament. Okay. First person there's the winner. Karen, what the? That is fast. That is that is very fast. Well done. It's not a competition, but we know who God loves the most. Here we go. Yeah, if you could summarize um, a sermon in three words, Karen did it in the worship time, be single-minded. Okay, I think God is calling us for that this year, to be single-minded. And, um, and I'll unpack that a little bit longer, but if you want to fall asleep right now, then that's okay, because God said it. Be single-minded, be single-minded. And I was talking to Mark before, Mark was sharing to me, he did his homework, well done Mark in Haggai. And um, you're talking about the minor prophets and how it's all about choices. God is saying to God's people, you have a choice to make. And um, have you packed away Christmas yet? I was desperate to pack away Christmas. Honestly, it gets on your nerves, doesn't it, sometimes? Oh, the glitter. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit of a Grinch. I mean, I do, I love, I love Christmas, but, I, but New Year's Day, I was saying, Adrian, can we take the tree down now? So he said, no, leave it up a bit longer. So anyway, I got the tree down, the trees come down, and no doubt round about July I'll find that bauble somewhere that I, um, that I didn't find <laughs> hidden away underneath the, uh, underneath the sofa. But there was something in me that wanted a fresh start. I don't know if you want a fresh start. Lord, I want a fresh start. And I think it's that hibernating away and hiding away and, and just like overfeeding on pate and cheese and chocolates, and you kind of think, oh, no, Lord, I want a fresh start. So before Christmas in our leaders' day, I woke up on the leaders' day. Um, we're, we're having regular times together as leaders, like half a day together, really seeking after God and finding out what God is saying to us. And I woke up and just God put into my head Haggai. And I don't know why. I'd not been reading anything about him. It, just liked it. it was obviously a God thing because it's just one of those, you know, you know when God is speaking to you, you just can't get rid of it. It's just there in your head. Haggai, okay. So uh, thankfully it was only two chapters long, so I opened it up and I was reading through Haggai, and as I was reading through Haggai, you know, when you read the scriptures, sometimes it's just like boom, 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 boom. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. And so, um, and that was on the morning. So we came along, and as leaders, we sat around and we read through Haggai, and um, and we talked about it, and we studied it, and we discussed it. I thought it was time to spend in the Word of God, and and we we got all sorts of things out of it. Um, so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Haggai, and there's three particular aspects that God has highlighted to me, because the more I've looked at Haggai and studied it, the more I've got excited by it. It's a really, really exciting book. And what I'm going to be focusing on are the three months. It's one of those things that you kind of, you read through, you know, the, it was in the ninth month and in the sixth month, and you kind of read through it, you get to the meaty stuff. But actually, God was saying the meaty stuff is there. And so today, we're going to be looking at the month of Elul which is the sixth month. Next week, we're going to be looking at the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And then the last week, we're going to be looking at Kislev, which is the ninth month. And they've all got significance for us as a church, and I believe for the wider church as well. Um, so the context of Haggai is that, um, if you remember, the Temple of Solomon was built. It was amazing, and they dedicated the Temple of Solomon. It was one of the most glorious places in the whole world and, and they were so excited and the glory came out from the temple out the dedication and there was 
cymbals and lutes and lyres and harps and everything playing and trumpets and all that sort of thing. The shofar was blown. Um, and then, within a short period of time, the Babylonians came and destroyed it. And you can, you can imagine that as a people of God, this destruction of what they believed was that this was like heaven on earth. This is where the glory of God was. And then along comes these Babylonians and they burn it to the ground and take the Israelites into captivity. It's almost like they've gone full circle back to uh, Exodus again. Full circle back to Egypt again. What on earth is going on? And Haggai was probably alive when that happened, when he wrote this prophecy, this book. He was about 70 years old. So he would have seen the glory of the temple, the destruction of the temple, the going into captivity. And then what's happened here is that the Babylonian, God worked on the hearts of the Babylonian kings. And they move, he moved on their hearts and, and, he, and the kings gave permission for God's people to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple. How exciting is that? And so they travel back and you find the story in Ezra and in Nehemiah. And so we'll, we'll turn to Ezra very briefly. I'll, I'll do it. You don't have to. It's, it's okay. And Ezra chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, so they'd gone back and they'd worked hard. The priests in their vestments and with trumpets and with the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as pres prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, His love towards Israel endures forever. They had all these high hopes of being restored again. All this excitement was restored again. But then a little bit later on in chapter 4, verse 24, we said, we see this. Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. What happened? The people around had discouraged and disheartened and bribed officials against the people of God. And so the people of God said, so here it comes again. Why bother why bother? Because it's just all going to go pear-shaped again. It happened with Solomon's temple. It, it's just going to all go to pot. So they ended up doing their own thing. They ended up going back to their houses and doing their own thing. And the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill. There was this foundation, this promise of something that could have been, this promise of something that they hoped might have been, and it was left at a standstill. It's a little bit like our New Year's resolutions where we, we make this New Year's resolution, I'm going to eat more lettuce this year and less sausages. <laughs> and then there's that one sausage just winking at you in the fridge. Well, that little bit of pate left over, it might be a little bit out of date, but you know, I'm going to risk it. And, and all of a sudden, our resolve collapses, doesn't it? It's, it's like, and I'm being a bit jokey, but we do have those, and it's a good thing to have that resolve, to start off with that resolve. But I've heard so many people this year say, I'm not going to make New Year's resolutions because I'm not going to keep them. I'm not going to bother. It's almost like people have given up on themselves. It feels like they're predicting, we're predicting our own failure. We've come to that point now where we know we're rubbish. So we might just as well be rubbish because that's, <laughs> that's what we're like. You know, this doom and gloom. And that's kind of where the Israelites had got to. They'd made this resolution, they'd built this foundation, and then they'd given up. And I think things can often get in the way and halt us in our tracks. Over the last two or three years, so many churches, it's been a time of challenge and uncertainty. Numbers have declined, commitment has declined amongst so many, I've heard it so many times. And yet, there is a remnant. 
And yet there is a remnant. And yet there are those who cling on and God is going to use the remnant. But we do need to recognize that many of us have been halted in our tracks. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Just for us to reflect that many of us in different ways for whatever reason have been halted in our tracks. And I want to glide over this bit because I'm Mr. Positive, you know, Mr. Positive Energy, Mr. Pastor. Because it seems negative, but, but we have to be honest. And God is calling us, and you'll understand why in a minute, he's calling us to a time of honesty, a time of reflection. Because we could just gloss over things, and if we just gloss over things, we're never going to get to the Jordan. We're never going to get to that place where we can get really right with God. You see, but God can use this time. He can use this time for us to take time out to hear him speak. Whether it's in the valley or if it's in the cave or in the quiet place or the place of sorrow, God wants us to create renewed space to focus on him again, on his word, to re-believe in us in him. I'll say that again, to re-believe in us, in him. I think of when God spoke to his people, of Joseph in Potiphar's dungeon, of David at Ziklag when everybody wanted to stone him to death. And it says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Of Elijah in the cave, of Peter in prison, of Paul being made blind and laid low at the house of Ananias, of Corrie ten Boom in a concentration camp of Richard Wormbrand in a cell barely bigger than himself for nine years, speaking sermons to himself and coming out believing stronger than ever. I think of people who've been in such tough situations where it seems like the work of God has halted in their lives and they have used it as an opportunity to praise him further and higher and deeper and more. And they've come out stronger and mightier in God. It can be so easy to become a victim and speak negative words when we're discouraged and when we've been halted. There's, there's one or two people in my workplace, and, and I slip into it as well. You know, when, some, when the photocopy's not working, oh, it's going to be one of those days again. Do you have that phrase? It's going to be one of those days again. You're kind of like, you're almost predicting failure for the day just because the photocopy is not working. There's loads of other things that have worked. But you know, you slip into it, don't you? It's a bit of a joke, a bit of a laugh. Oh, it's going to be one of those days again, Mike. Yeah, it's going to be one of those days again. No, it doesn't have to be one of those days again. Or something goes wrong, you say, oh, typical. As, they, you know, as, as, as though that's what your whole life is about, things going wrong, typical. I was listening to a guy today, one phrase he says he hates is, oh, it's the story of my life. <laughs> and it's like we say these things. We like speak them into a story of my life. You get to the point where you believe a story of my life. Because we look at our life when we're not living in gratitude and not living in praise. We look at our life in those kind of negative terms, don't we? And sometimes as a leader, I know as a head teacher in the school where I'm at, you're always thinking about the things that aren't working right because you want to fix them. That's kind of your job. But sometimes I've said to our staff in school, we need to reflect on what's gone well today. What's gone right today? What have you achieved today? It's so, so important. Sue, Sue brought us the word in... in um, Last, last week's New Year's Eve service, Psalm 24, verse 7. 
I've said it before, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So, let's get into Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first five verses. In the second year of King Darius, the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. That, that phrase, the word of the Lord, it comes up 14 times in two chapters. This is the shofar of God. The word of the Lord, we need to listen. Through the prophet Haggai, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. So this first month, the month of Elul, is actually the last month of the Hebrew, the Jewish calendar, the Jewish year. So it's kind of like their December time, if you like. And they're sort of kind of about to move into the seventh month, which is the first month of their year. And the significance of Elul is that it's a time for repentance and reflection and response. In the Jewish calendar, that's what it's all about. And I felt God was saying, now is a time for response and return for reflection and repentance. Give careful thought to your ways. He's calling his people over the ages and for us today genuinely to reflect on where we stand with God. And to do that, we need to turn to him first and listen to him, not wait until we've sorted ourselves out and then come to him. Come to him as part of that reflection. And the significance of El Al was um, that it was instigated as a commemoration of that moment, you know, when Moses came down from the mountain, he'd, he'd been up the mountain and God had been chiseling away all the, ta- well, he'd been chiseling away all the tablets, you know, all the Ten Commandments, he brought the Ten Commandments down. It must have been quite heavy, I don't know how big these tablets were, but he, anyway, he brought them down the mountain, got down the mountain, and what had they done? They'd broken the first one already, and there was this golden calf, this idol that they were worshipping, and, and Moses just like smashes these tablets on the ground. All that, I don't know if God went, oh, that hard work. <laughs> been smashed to pieces. And there was something symbolic about that. He said, what are you doing? Now, what's going on? And then, I, I, love, I love Aaron's response. He's like one of those children when you get them into your office and you have to tell them off. And Aaron's like making all these little excuses. Oh, they told me to do it and everything like that. <laughs> I love it. Um, but, but then Moses goes, and God says, that's it, I've had it. Right, you can go in the promised land. And Joshua, because Joshua wasn't part of it. But these people, I'm going to destroy them. And, um, and Moses goes up and he intercedes for the people on behalf of the people. And God relents and there is this forgiveness from God. And so Elal is that month of intercession and of reflection and of repentance and of return to God. I don't know if you remember last week, Russell came. It's good to see Russell. For those who don't know, Russell used to be in this church many years ago. And he's, got, he's leading up a church now down in um, Cambridgeshire around that area. There and he, um, he was reading out from Joshua chapter 3, Consecrate Yourselves, and he was talking about idolatry. I thought you'd just come along to our church and talk about idolatry like that, <laughs> but it was really spot on. It was exactly, it was where God is calling us. What are our idols? I mean, I've not been fashioning a golden calf in my back garden, so I know I've not done that one, but there are other ones that maybe we just need to have a look at. If we're going to take this 
moment, this beginning of the year, seriously, we need to ask the Lord, what are the idols in our lives? What are the things that have taken the place of God, that have occupied the space that he needs to be in? What has occupied the space in our lives that God needs to be in? And, and it can be easy to glance over our lives superficially and say, oh, we're okay. No, we're, we're doing all right. We help out here and there. And the enemy wants us to rush on like, you know, like people at an airport. No doubt Dave and Jane went through the nothing to declare section. You know, we want to go through the nothing to declare section, don't we? Rushing through. I'm busy. I've got a busy life. Nothing to declare here, Lord. And we know that if we were to search a little bit deeper at the bottom of our suitcase, there's a little bit of something there that maybe we should be declaring. But we're so busy, we rush on. And God wants us to use this time of Elul, this time of response and return. He wants us to think on, to search maybe a little bit deeper, to slow down and to reflect more deeply. And I find that hard, you know. I'm having my school is being knocked down and rebuilt. You know, there's, there's things all over the place for me. And I'm kind of thinking, I've got no time for this, Lord. I can't slow down. It's getting quicker. I just need to get my skates on and go faster. And God is saying, Mike, slow down. Spend time with me. Prioritize me. Um, in the Hebrew calendar, it's actually the year is, is not 2024. It's 5784, if you know that. 5784. And the year 5784 is quite significant um, in that it is a year of the open door. And if you go on Google, you'll see so many prophecies about an open door. God is opening a door. Um, it just so happens that our, our TV is on the blink now. It got to the point over, we got through Christmas, and it, you can hear what's going on, but it goes black. So you, can't, you can hear what's happening, but you can't. That's so annoying when you can't see anything. It's just going like that. But well, it's now got to the point where it's happening nearly the whole time. We had Poirot on last night, and I managed to get like about 10 seconds of seeing Poirot walking down the road, and the rest of it was just like a list of the radio. and no idea what was going on. And it's almost like God is saying, Mike, just spend a bit of time with me. Okay, Poirot, I mean, God loves Poirot. I'm sure he does. <laughs> but there's something more that God wants. There is a space that God is creating in our lives. Now, we might go and get a TV this afternoon. I don't know. But... <laughs> God is trying to create space in my life. <laughs> and this is a year of open door, a door that is open for us to go through. And I do believe, as I said last week, it's a significant year for the church. But what are the idols that have taken the place of God? This open door, we can sit and we can look at it. We can stay with our idols on the sofa. We can admire the door. We can talk about the door. We can do sermons about the door. And we can rush past the door. Or are we going to prepare our hearts to walk through the door? And as Mark said earlier on, we've got a choice to make. Will we go through the open door this year that God has got for us? None of us knows what's through that door. But God has got something. Me knowing God is going to be blessing. But it will also be challenge. But God has got an open door for us, for us to go through. And so often God has spoken to me. It's, it, I mean, it can sound like, oh, Mike, Reflection and repentance, oh dear. But, but the way that God does it with me is he, he speaks to me so gently. God is so gentle. I mean, there are times when he has to bang, you know, like, come on. But 
most of the times God speaks to me so gently. And, and often it's when I'm getting critical of other people. You know, I get a bit frustrated with other people and God just gently shows me that I'm also doing that thing that's annoying me. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, I'm becoming aware of that trait in others because God is gently wanting me to be aware and sensitive to it in my own life. And it takes a while for me to realize it's me, not others, that God is pointing it out to. And it's almost, it's almost as though God is saying, you know that, that thing that, that you've just become sensitive to with everybody else? It's because I'm showing you something to sort out. So if you're getting annoyed with people about something, maybe it's an opportunity for you to have a little look at, where am I at in this, Lord? Where am I in it? Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, do we live by the, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So in Elal, there is this, um, I love this Hebrew, I've been getting into Hebrew phrases, I've not really been into Hebrew stuff before, but I'm, I'm really into it at the moment. So, um, and then one of the phrases used of Elal is, is a time of Teshuvah, T-E-S-H-U-V-A-H, Teshuvah, you can Google it. Basically, what it means is return. It's a time of return. I love that concept, isn't it? It's often translated as repentance, but repentance is a turning around. And when I first came up to Homescape Fellowship, and, and I've said this so many times, and, and um, somebody came up to me um, and just shared a, a word, a prophetic word from scriptures, Isaiah 55. Many of you will know what it is. Um, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn and let him turn. Let him teshuva. Let him turn. And God is calling us to turn, return to the root of who we are in God, to the source of our soul, to reestablish our lives on the true foundation of Jesus. You know, that foundation that the Israelites built in Haggai, he wants us to return and redefine any negative past in the transforming glory and light of Jesus Christ. Psalm 27 is often quoted during the month of Elal on, on every day. I don't think it was during the time of Haggai, but since. The Jewish tradition in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And it goes so many. I've been, it's one that I've committed to memory, and I just love it. Just in the shower, just like saying it, and it's so good. I, if you're going to commit anything to memory, do Psalm 27. So powerful. So powerful. And God is just calling us to come to this light and this salvation, uh, which is him. But although it is a time of reflection, it's a time of repentance, I love this bit, that the four letters of Elul can become, and are often used as an acronym for the verse in Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 3. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. I love those verses, don't you? I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Because it expresses that during this time of reflection, that God loves us and he wants to draw us closer to him as a refuge and as a stronghold. It's like when you go to a wedding. We went to um, Ruth's daughter's wedding recently. And, um, you know, you go to a wedding and it's in, in a lot of weddings you see the bride and groom. There's, there's a room full of people. And there was, so many, there was a lot of people there, full of people. But you can, you can look at them. They've got, only got eyes for each other. And it's all with, with Lauren and Jonathan. There is that kind of like special bond that special connection. 
that they've only got eyes for one another. And God has only got eyes for you. Have you only got eyes for God? Well, the story of the prodigal son when, you know, he's really messed up. I don't know what 2023 has been like for you, what what the challenges have been, but this prodigal son that that returns to the father and instead of expecting, he expected the father to just say, treat him as a servant and the father has got his arms open wide. And I imagine Jesus, when he was telling that story, was thinking about Haggai 1, was thinking about the mercy of God, was thinking about Psalm 27. It's a loving embrace of the Father where we are safe to face our mistakes and lay down our pride and make the changes that we need. Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not turn your face away. Teach me your way, lead me in a straight path. Let's read um, a little bit more in Haggai 1 and verse 6 to 11. So verse 6 says this, You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away, why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. God is calling us to go up into the mountains as a as a kind of a symbolic way um, of going up as Moses did to Mount Sinai and interceding and saying, Lord God, we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. We need you to again speak to us so that we can respond, so that we can change, so that we can be renewed and transformed. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I love it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Jesus says, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. And he did that just before he came down and walked on the water. If you want to walk on the water, you need to climb up the mountain. If you want to walk on the water in your life, you know those impossible things that nobody else can do but you, you need to climb up the mountain first. Haggai speaking to people who have become discouraged and disappointed. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. You know, I'll be honest with you, there are times when we can all feel like that, can't we? You expected revival, but the church is getting smaller. You expected this great thing to happen, and yet it isn't. And the enemy can twist and turn our circumstances. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. So when we reflect and allow ourselves to get stuck in disappointment, disillusionment and discouragement, it's hard to motivate ourselves. I don't know, has anybody over the last period of time had a a sense of being overwhelmed and tired? Has anybody felt tired, lack of energy? And we could all put that down to lots and lots of different things. 
But it seems like it's a worldwide thing at the moment. Just everybody's exhausted. The amount of times people have come to me, I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And there is a sense there where God is challenging us. He's wanting to re-energize us. But that can come from that disappointment. You know, the belief that things aren't going to work out well. That kind of negative self-talk. That kind of expectation. And, and, and um, you know, it says uh, just that, that, that disheartening sense where the vision hasn't been fulfilled. Our disappointments can become a bog that we get stuck in or they can become a launch pad for change and it depends on whether we stay in the valley or we climb the mountain. Whether we sit on the sofa or we walk through the door. So next week we're going to be talking about the shofar. Now if anybody's got a shofar at home, please bring it in because Sue's going to play it for us. You're not here? Oh, well, then I'll, I've got some YouTube clips. The shofar's great, okay. It's fantastic. I'm not going to go into the shofar, um, but God is going to be speaking to us about awakening and stirring. But he's calling us, first of all, to reflection and repentance. And so we're going to come into land now by reading the last part of Haggai chapter 1. So Haggai chapter 1, verse uh, 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, amen, and the message of the prophet Haggai, amen, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. In other words, honored the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. How often does God say that in the scriptures? How much do we need that? I am with you at the beginning of 2024, God says. I am with you, God says, in 2024. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're facing, wherever you're going, I don't want you to go with a sense and a fear of dread. I don't want you to go with, with, a, with, a, with a belief that things aren't going to go work out well because I am with you, says the Lord. And I am going to go ahead of you. I am going to go ahead of you and I'm going to smooth the way for you. And I'm going to go and open a door for you. And this open door I'm calling you to walk through because I am with you. God wants you right now to just just step up in faith again. To find a new energy again. To repent, not not, not just turn away from, but actually repent of tiredness. Lord, I repent of how I have allowed the overwhelm and the tiredness and the exhaustion to overcome me. Lord, you say, I am with you. And Lord, I step into your strength. I thank you, Lord God, that you are my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? You are the stronghold of my life. Of whom and of what shall I be afraid? Lord, as we step into this year, we want to step into more and more and more of you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. And the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. And during that final week of Elul, this final week of preparation, just before the seventh month starts, the month of awakening, then what people do, what the Jewish people, God's people do, is they say prayers. 
Selicott prayers. I think you say it like that, Selicott, S-E-L-I-C-H-O-T, if you want to Google it. Selicott prayers are said, and these are special prayers of forgiveness. Prayers linked to the forgiveness from God at Mount Sinai. This is a month of, a time of, a season of forgiveness. Seeking God's direction about who we need to forgive. Are there others that we need to forgive? Do we need to forgive ourselves? To move from blame to compassion, from bitterness to forgiveness, from pride to humility. As the Spirit of God stirs and works within us. I love, I love that God says, I'm with you. And it's such a great statement at the beginning of this year. So what I'd like us to do over these next few days is really reflect and respond to what God is saying. Lord, is there any forgiveness that I need to enter into in my life? Is there anything, anybody I need to forgive? I told you the story of my mum who the, the vicar brought a shredder to, to the church. And, um, and she wrote down people needed to forgive, and there was somebody that she needed to forgive, and she wrote that down, and, and, um, and then they went up front of the church. I might bring a sh- I've got a shredder. I might bring one out. And they, and they put it into the shredder. And this person that she'd written down, who she'd not spoken to for... <laughs> the piece of paper got shredded. And this person that she'd not spoken to for ages phoned up the next day. I mean, how... Brilliant is that. My mum's amazing. And, um, and they just got talking and, you know, just everything's okay. God can do it like that. In a moment, in an instant. But sometimes we just need to come to him first. Try and sort it all out ourselves. Let's come to him first. Say, Lord God, show me what I need to do. This is a time of reflection. It's a beautiful time. It's a time in the Jewish calendar of silence. And next week we were going to be we're going to be talking about the declaring, the awakening, the stirring, but we don't want to rush to that too quickly because God is preparing our hearts right now. So I'm just saying to you right now, let's do that. Now Adrian is putting together um, for us as leaders. Uh, we're going to have a look at it, um, some meditations um, as a way of us doing a spiritual audit, if you like, or reflection. Help us with our time of reflection. Where are we at with God? We want to take this seriously. It's not just a talk. Sunday morning talk. And we're going to send that out to people as a tool for people to use if you want to use it. A time when you can say, right, where am I at with the Lord? Give careful thought to your ways is what God is saying to you this morning. Give careful thought. Let's be single-minded and give careful thought to the choices that we are making in our lives. And I know I want to make different choices this year that I made in 2023. I know I have to. I can't survive without making different choices. And God is so merciful, he's going to help me with it. Because I am with you. He's going to help me with that. And he's going to help you too. Let's just pray. Yeah, Lord God, I want to thank you for your prophet Haggai. I want to thank you, Lord, that he spoke to your people as he speaks to us now. I thank you that you are speaking through your word and that you are saying, this is a new year. This is a fresh beginning. This is a new start. This is an open door. Lord, you are doing a fresh thing within us. And I pray that, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts for the stirring, that you would prepare our hearts for the awakening, that you would prepare our hearts for the blessing that is coming. 
We thank you that you are with us. And we ask now, Lord God, as we go into some worship right now, Lord Jesus, that we would lift up our hearts as a new dedication, a new commitment, a new response to you. That we choose to go through the door. That we choose, Lord God, to, to hear you, to listen to you, and to obey you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going